Hey, Connect Church, Pastor Derek here. I hope you guys are doing well. Welcome, welcome, welcome to service. Uh, thank you for coming and joining us. I don't know where you are in your homes, in the comfort of your home. Hopefully you're gathering with other believers together. I want to encourage you. Hey, we are having church. We are fully open. Uh, we're meeting in Ashland. We're meeting in Framingham. And we just started meeting uh, a little bit in, in Bellingham. So for some of you who don't know that you're interested and you're in that area, we are preparing to launch another location in the Regal Theater in Bellingham. So I just wanted to give that a little airtime. For those of you who are interested, just ask some questions in the chat. Somebody can help you and point you to the right people. We have a, a really vibrant location in Framingham. We're meeting in a church that we believe God is going to give us. We're so excited about that. That's on the horizon. So keep praying for that. And of course, we have many people meeting in our original campus in Ashland. So welcome to church today. Hey, listen, we are um, culminating a series today uh, for those of you who've been watching on core values. Now, these core values are connects core values. There's many core values out there, and we actually have uh, seven that we have delved into over the course of uh, this series. And you got to hear from some great preachers in-house. I am so proud of my squad. I was going home last week after listening to Pastor Chris, and I was like, man, I got a squad Come on, somebody. I got some preachers in this house. So you are blessed if you are part of Connect. Can I have an amen in the chat? So listen, we talked about the church and how important that is. We're one big family. We talked about growth, healthy things grow. We talked about generosity. We live um, to give. We talked about the power of God, anything being possible. We talked about worship, anything you love shows. And we talked about excellence last week with Pastor Chris. Let's give God our very best. And so today we are in our Seventh, uh, our seventh core value. Now, before I introduce the core value, I want to say, uh, you know, think about this for a second. I was on vacation with my family, uh, and we were up in York, Maine. And first time we've ever been there. In fact, we've gone to uh, New Hampshire for almost 40 years as a family. And so we go to York, Maine. And as we always do, um, the boys can't wait to get in the water. We love it. But the girls, mm, you know, they got a little different. You know, they kind of like tiptoe. I don't know how it's going to go. And what's very, very interesting, and I just kind of ask you this question. If you've gone to the beach and you're getting ready to maybe go in the water, um, do you expect it to be cold? Are you expecting it to be cold? And then you discover it was. You know, right? You, you expect it to be cold, and then it was. My question kind of is, is there a connection between your expectation and the actual temperature? Well, I don't know if there is or if you could alter it, but it might have affected your experience if you had a different expectation. You know, I was preaching um, in, uh, not physically, but uh, digitally in Pakistan in 2019. I remember doing this one particular message in 2019, and it was kind of dealing with, um, you know, uh, healing and miracles and different things like that that are stories in the Bible, and are they real for, and relevant to today? And so I preach this message, and I'm doing it through my computer. And on the other side of the computer, there's hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people. And long story short, everybody, God showed up so big. 
And there were amazing stories. I heard about people who were healed of cancer. I heard about people who, uh, you know, uh, they had all kinds of intestinal problems. One person healed their back just, just while I was speaking the word. And so I got so excited from these testimonies that were shared with me that I said, you know what, I'm going to preach that at my home church. I'm going to come back to Connect. I'm going to preach at what we call our encounter service. For some of you who have never been here. And it's kind of like our, our, um, our family service, like our, our all-in service, our believer service. And so I preach it there. And it was a great service. But listen, I, just, I want to be raw. I want to be a little bit real with you. The outcomes were very different. They, it wasn't as dramatic. The results, the, uh, the impact wasn't the same. Why? Why? Maybe there's a connection between our expectation and our experience. Pastor Chris said this, and I've heard it before, that your expectation will affect your experience. Now, there's a story in the Bible uh, in Luke chapter 3, and it's talking about uh, the soon-coming Messiah— and these people were there, the Bible says, in expectation. Luke chapter 3, verse 15. Look at it in your notes. It says, now as the people, everybody say, we the people, okay? Say, I'm a people. As the people were in what? Say it with me, expectation. As the people were in expectation, and all of them reasoned in their hearts about John. Is he the Christ or not? And John's like, no, I'm not the Christ. Like, I baptized you with water, but there's a guy coming, and I'm not even close to that guy. I can't even undo his sandals. I'm not worthy to be called the Christ. But when he baptizes you, he's going to baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. He's going to take it to another level. And we love that part of the verse, but often we do not see what precedes it was the expectation of the people. So your expectation affects your experience. Prior to this, uh, this story, there was 400 years of silence from Malachi to this book in the Bible. And, and, and yet the Bible says that they, in one translation, it says they were on their tiptoes in expectation. It says in the ESV translation, they were sitting on the edge of their seat. Is this the Messiah? Is this the one? Is he the one that's going to, uh, you know, bring us and carry us to where we need to go? And they were waiting for him. They were anticipating uh, his arrival. And so what I want to say to you that are listening out there online, don't just get so comfortable in your seat. Don't get so comfortable in your Christianity, that you are not living and walking in expectation. I want to challenge you this morning to do your part when it comes to receiving this word. I want to challenge you to build an atmosphere with me, even online, even digitally. Would you build an atmosphere with me? What? An atmosphere of faith. An atmosphere of faith. You know, when two people come together, they get married, come on somebody, they get married, and then they have uh, uh, they get pregnant. Before they have a baby, they get pregnant, okay? Just so you know the sequence, all right? They get pregnant. One is carrying the baby, but they both say, we're pregnant. They both say and expect, they have an expectation of a wonderful gift that is about to come into the world. Listen, I have a message, but we, and I'm pregnant with it. 
Okay, I'm carrying that message. But listen, it'll be very different for you if we are both pregnant with expectation. Can I have an amen out there? And so why is it so important? Because you need to stop looking at the past, looking at what happened yesterday. You know what affects expectation? When you have a, 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 an attitude where it's like, what's next? Not what already happened. Not what did God already do in the past. What's next? Because the greatest miracles are not in the rearview mirror. They're in the windshield. They're in the future of your life. See, God, God, God wants to do something great through you in the future. And the devil, listen, he's, he's not tormented by, by what you did. He's not tormented by who you were. He's, torment, he's tormented by what you could become. He is afraid of the church of Jesus Christ potential. And so what I want to do is I want to ask you a question. What are you expecting as you come to church today? What are you expecting? Would you pray with me? Would you pray with me right now? Would you, would you raise your expectations with me? I'm asking you to join me wherever you are, listening around the world, listening right here locally in, in your homes. Uh, pray with me and expect. God, in Jesus' name, I thank you for every single person that's listening within the sound of my voice. I pray that you elevate, that you, that you uh, raise up the expectations of the people, not just the pastor but the people in Jesus' name. Every person, Lord, have a heart of receptivity that they, they, they literally physically are engaged in this experience. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. And everybody said, come on, everybody, say it in the chat. Say amen. So listen, there is, there is no subject where this is more true, this, this necessity of expectation than what I'm going to talk to you about today. Um, it's really going to be a big part of what we talk about today. In fact, there's two things that I'm trying to accomplish this morning. I'm trying to raise your expectations, and I'm also trying to, in some cases, change, alter, tweak, tinker with your perspective on what is happening in the world today. You know, as we conclude this series on core values, I strategically placed this particular core value here because of all that, the changing landscape of our world. I mean, it is crazy nuts right now. I mean, when you, when you think about, you know, the vaccine, I'm going to call it the vaccine war. The vaccine war. Are you vaccinated or are you not vaccinated? I mean, the extremes, the polarities, it's, it's almost impossible to ma manage the tensions, save the cross of Jesus Christ. Uh, when we think about the, the landscape of, of, uh, of our world today, in other parts of the world, like Afghanistan and what's happening there right now, I'm just, I'm seeing video footage, you know, and I'm just, my heart breaks when I saw what I saw, you know? And so when I look at all those things and so many more that we often dwell on a little bit too much, but sometimes we ignore altogether. When I look at all those things, this, this subject becomes extremely important because we got to be careful that we don't lose our heads. Are you with me, everybody? We need divine perspective as believers. We need to see, this is the topic of my message today, see through the eyes of eternity. Our core value today is eternity. Everybody say eternity. Now, why is that 
Eternal perspective, so important. Not just expectation of what God can do in the here and now, but an eternal perspective of where we are going and what is to come. Because the greater, listen, I'll say it like this. The greater your expectation of heaven, the better able you are to handle, navigate, overcome the problems of earth. Did you get that? The greater your anticipation, your expectation of heaven, the more able you are to handle all of the things that are happening in this crazy nuts world. You and I must live with an eternal uh, eternal mindset, eternity in mind. We say it like this, and here's our sticky statement. You need to write this down. You need to remember this. We say this when it comes to eternity. There's more to this life than this life. See, a lot of people are holding on to life so tightly. And we need, to, we need to hold life like a loose garment. Don't hold on to it so tightly. And the thing that helps us not hold on to life too tightly and wear it like a loose garment is when we have a core value of eternity. Now, many people that you know, many people maybe even listening right now, sometimes are living at some level of defeat because they have little or no connection with heaven, our ultimate destination, our, our, our real home, as, get this, biblically we are, as Christ followers, uh, citizens of heaven. We are what the scripture calls us, sojourners, foreigners. We are here on a temporary assignment. Life is but a temporary assignment. And so I want to um, elevate that, heaven, uh, so that you can handle this Earth, the temporary, the temporal, and, and, and this, this, this craziness that we're having right here, and make it smaller, not just for you. Listen, I want to raise heaven in people's minds for others, too, that you are connected to. Amen? So our big problem is this life is just too big. We've made it too big, and the life to come is too small. The, the, the now is huge, and the then is small. And so I want to Take it even up a notch from that as we continue to go forward in this message. I not only want to make heaven bigger for you, I want to, I want to make heaven so big. See, when heaven is bigger for you, your heart becomes bigger. When heaven is bigger for you, you don't live selfishly, you live selflessly. When heaven is bigger, you see people, you see people differently. I'm going to come back to this in a little bit. You, you, you have a different perspective on people. I wrote it in my notes like this. When we see people through the eyes of eternity, we want to take them with us into eternity. See, so if you're not wanting to take people preoccupied with taking people into eternity with you, then this earth is too big and heaven has become too small. And so here's our big idea. Write this down if you're taking notes. We can never reach what we cannot see. We can, never, we can never love, we can never touch, we can never heal, we can never change what we can't see, everybody. And so most would rather, when you look at behaviors today and culture today, most would rather not see. Most would rather not see what's going on. Most don't want to see the homeless person on the side of the road. Most don't want to see uh, the hungry person with the distended stomach, you know, in a third world country. Most don't want to see... You know, as we're driving on vacation, the accident on the side of the road, we're just zipping on by. We don't want to see those things. We don't want to go to a third world nation uh, and, and see their impoverished situation. Most don't want to see. Most don't want to turn our head. We just want to go on ahead, right? And here's the thing. 
Once you do see, though, and if you do see, you know what happens? It messes with you. If you do see that, and if you do pause to take a look-see at those things, it will mess it will mess with you in a big way. I remember the first time I went on a mission trip and I saw a family who didn't own a car. And I saw a mother and four, a mother and three children, and they had rented like a little motoconcho, a taxi, a little, a little scooter, and they're all on this one scooter. I'm like, she doesn't have a car. She's got all her kids. It's super dangerous. If you could have seen the environment that they were driving in, I was like, a parent in America today would be mortified to see one of their children, let alone all of their children in that situation. I remember going into a village and seeing seven people, husband, wife, mom, dad, and five children living in a one-room home, which was really an oversized closet with a tin roof, a fire pit, a couple of you know, pans and bowls, a little bit of dripping water, no electricity. I was just, I was just, I was just, met. I remember seeing kids, 50 or 60 kids, and, and, and a missionary brought out a bowl of, of, of uh, hamburger that they fried up, and I watched them fight and scrap over this hamburger, you know, and I'm like, okay. I remember pulling away like, okay, Derek, what are you going to do about that? How are you going to live? How are you going to deal with that, you know? I, I saw it. I saw it with my own eyes, and and you know what? When I say it messed with me, I, I somehow became, in some way, some form, I felt responsible now. I felt responsible because I saw it. Because I saw it. And, and, and I, I, it, you've, all, you've all experienced what I'm talking about at some level, where you turn away. You've been on both sides of the coin, so to speak. I don't know if you've ever, you know, uh, this happened just, just a couple weeks ago. I'm with Madison, and I'm driving to York, Maine. And I, we, two of us are in one car, and other people are in other cars because we've got all the cars packed full of stuff. You know what I'm talking about, right? And so you can't bring everybody, and you've got to have, like, every car you own because Americans, we're going to bring everything we own. And so Ma- Madison and I are going to York, Maine, and it's crazy traffic because everybody's going to the beach. And we're trying to merge, which let me merge, you know, and they're not letting you in. They, they just won't, they just won't let you in. They, you know why they don't let you in? Because they won't look at you. That's how they do it. How do they not let you in? How can they be so cruel? How can they be so mean? How can they be so indifferent? Because they just won't look at you, right? And so if they look, see, if they don't look at you, you're just a car. But if they look at you, what happens? You're a person now. You're a person now. So I can remember seeing this girl, and she kind of looked like Madison. I'm like, Madison, Madison, see that girl right there? <clears throat> she was in the passenger seat, and her mom's not looking. Her mom's like, whatever, I'm going. You know, she's just like plowing ahead. She's not even, even thinking about letting me in. And I'm like, Madison, can you just try to get that girl, you know, to let us in? Like, beg her. You know, so Madison's like, oh, please, please, oh, my gosh, please let us in, please, please. The girl starts to laugh. She's like, I don't know, preteen or something like that. And she's like, oh, oh my gosh, thank you. And so she turns to her mom, and her mom's like, okay, fine, come on in. And reluctantly, she lets, she lets us in. Why did that happen? Because the girl saw Madison. She saw her. And so, again, people in your sphere of influence right now, they're wanting, they're wanting what you have. They, they may not realize it fully. They may not know the, the, the way, the truth and the life that you have, but they want what you have. But we're not inviting them on the journey, and it's because we won't look at them. We won't see them. We won't pay attention to them. Let me, let me explain this 
to you through a story. And i got to get to this story. But I've discovered a lot of times when I'm reading the Bible, I've been a Christian for a lot of years now, and it's almost always I see a new detail in the Bible. You know, we have this phrase, the devil's in the details. I think divine insight and revelation is in the details of God's word. And so I, I, this story you've heard before, but there are some unique details inside this. And, and inside this story, let me just overarchingly kind of, this is what's going on in, this, in these details that I'm going to unpack for you. Jesus is trying to help his disciples see something, okay? And it's the story of the Samaritan woman from John chapter 4. Now, what I'm going to do is I'm going to paraphrase it. You can look it up. It's John chapter 4, verses 27 through 35. Here's the context. Before we get to verse 27, here's what's going on. The disciples leave Jesus alone on this little hill and where this well is, and they go into town to do some stuff. They've got their own little agenda, little errands to run. All 12, you know, leave Jesus, okay? He's alone. And he's alone with this woman, this Samaritan woman. And I believe it's a God thing. I think Jesus knew it was a divine appointment. It was a divine setup. And so Jesus is thirsty, or so we think. He's thirsty. And so he goes to the well, and he asks this woman for a drink. You know, would you draw some water for me? And she's shocked that this Jewish man would talk to her as a Samaritan woman because at this particular time, there were, um, there were all these things that were going on. Jews and Samaritans don't relate. There's tons of racial tensions. And, and additionally, there were these class or, or, or there, and there were these gender barriers, you know, and men didn't speak to women. Men kind of thought they were better than women. It was also inappropriate, but it was more, it was more, they thought they were better than them. And so Jesus shows up and listen, it's so cool. And we need more of this. And the church has to really, you know, be the role models for this. He smashes all these barriers. He smashes the barriers of sexism and classism and, and racism. He totally obliterates all these things. And, and, and so this is critical. He draws some water. Excuse me. He asks her to draw some water. And they, then they begin to have this interesting conversation. And he starts to ask her some personal questions. All right? And he basically says, hey, where's your husband? She's like, I don't have a husband. He's like, you said that right. Not only do you not have, you have you've had five husbands. And the man you're now with is not your husband either. And she's like, I perceive you are a prophet. Like, whoa. Like, you know some stuff. And so... He totally, what we say in Christendom, he totally reads her mail, okay? He reads her mail. She, in this moment, recognizes that she is in the presence of greatness. And then he tells her, by the way, you think that's great. That's nothing. I can give you water whereby when you drink of it, you'll never be thirsty again. You think that's great? Let me tell you what's really great. And so she's having a God moment. Are you guys tracking with me out there? She's having a God moment. And right then, in the middle of that moment, the Bible says in verse 27, just then the disciples returned, they come back. And it says they're surprised to find him talking with a woman. And for all the reasons that I've mentioned, but no one asked, what do you want or why are you talking with her? So I want to put you in this story for a second because Jesus is, you know, he's, he's talking to this woman. And then they show up and they're probably whispering like, whoa, whoa, look, what, look what's going on. Look, look, look what's going on. But they don't say anything. And John puts these interesting details in there, these, these two kind of questions that never happened because I think, he thinks they should have happened. I think he's putting them in there with a certain level of regret 
and he's trying to make us aware of that. He's writing to us saying, hey, there's really two questions you guys should have asked, and you didn't ask them. And the two questions were, um, look at what it says. So Jesus, it says, just then the disciples returned. They're surprised to find him talking with a woman. But no one asked, what do you want, or why are you talking with her? The two questions they should have asked is, what do, you, what do you want, Jesus? What do you need? See, if I was doing ministry with the Son of God, with Jesus, I'd probably be asking if he needed anything every 15 minutes. I don't know about you, but in my, in my profession, I've been a guest speaker at some other churches. Sometimes, man, some of these churches are so amazing that, that, that we get to relate with, and they're just like, Pastor, can I get you something to drink? You know, you want a cough drop? Are you okay? Do you need a towel? Do you know what? I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Like, and I'm not Jesus. But the disciples were with Jesus, and they didn't recognize what was important to Jesus in this moment? In addition to that, they're thinking something probably because of the cultural issues and the gender barriers, but they don't ask the teacher, the rabbi. See, when you're with a teacher, you ought to ask him those questions. And if he was with this woman, it must have been important for him to be with this woman, given the, the, the context and the environment that they were in at that time. They don't ask the question. And so... I think Jesus in the story is trying to show us something. He's trying to show us that we can be selfish. We can be self-centered. Not just them, but, but us. Are you tracking with me right now? They, were, they weren't concerned about what Jesus was concerned about. And, and so then she leaves. She goes into town after he reads her mail. And by, I think town's pretty close by. And then she tells him, hey, listen, um, this, this guy that I just encountered, uh, come, she says, come see Come see this man who told me everything I ever did. He just reads my mail. He just reads my mail. And so he, she's like, I met the Christ. So I don't know if you're catching this. So they, they all decide to come back with this woman to see Jesus. The whole town. I don't know how many that is. Maybe it's 50 people. Maybe it's 100. It's probably a lot of people. And so the whole town's coming back to see this Jesus and as there are, Jesus is there, and I think he's, he's seeing this God thing getting ready to happen. And then the disciples, seeing the people coming back, they're like, hey, uh, Jesus, we're going to go get something to eat. Do you want something to eat? I don't know if you see the humor in the Bible sometimes or some of the crazy situations, but that's one of those spots. Look at this story. Look at these details. And you got to ask yourself, guys, what were you thinking? They're like, hey, um, she, he reads this woman's mail. She's having this transformational experience. She, she influences the whole town to come see Jesus. And in that moment, they're like, Lord, you want something from P.F. Chang's? I mean, this is nuts, okay? And so um, this miracle is about to escalate. And so since they brought up food, Jesus often does this. He, he uses like metaphors to connect with the people at that time and the, and the audience at the time and the context at that time. And so he decides to use an analogy. So since they bring up food, he says, hey, listen, verse 32, he says, I have food you guys know nothing about. All right. So now he's, he's trying to like, hello, hello, hello. He's trying to bring them in. And then and he's like, I'd rather stay here and do this than go to eat with you. That's what he's saying. He's trying to wake them up, but they can't see clearly because they have a different agenda. That's in your notes. They have a different agenda. And so after this awesome analogy and this clear, you know, illustration, look, their reply is, oh, did you already eat? What? Did you already eat already? You've been to Chang's? What? And, and they, don't, they still don't get it. So then Jesus says, listen, my food, my food is to do the will of him 
who sent me and to finish his work. Now, he's like, I'm fired up about this. This, this is my food. This is what brings nourishment to my soul. So in summary, they, they don't care about what matters to him. In summary, uh, they didn't know why he was talking to this woman, and they decided not to ask the question. And in summary, they missed the whole pile of people that are coming that have been influenced by this incredible experience. And these are followers of Jesus. And so my question to you is this. If Followers of Jesus could miss what God is trying to help us see. Could you miss it? Could I miss it? Jesus is so, he's so good at trying to help us see things. He's working so hard at it. So in verse 35, he goes on, he says, don't you guys have a saying, it's still four months until harvest? You keep saying this over and over again, in other words. Uh, you know, and, and so we'll, they're like, we'll do the town thing you know, another day, we can, today, but we're going to harvest later. And Jesus is like, no, 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 no. Look at what he says. He's like, you keep saying that. But then he says, he, he just like, it's exclamatory. He's like, I tell you, listen, this is really the big idea. Open your eyes. He tells them, open your eyes and look at the fields. Open your eyes. Look around, everybody. They're ripe unto harvest right now right in front of you, right under your nose. And I'm convinced, church, that if Jesus was to come into your living room, if Jesus was to stand on this stage right now, and not necessarily to pre-believers and people who don't know God, but to believers, if he was to say something to you and me, he would say, oh, church, open up your eyes. If you could see the Metro West area like I see the Metro West area, if you could see Ashland, if you could see Framingham, if you could see the Tri-County area like I could see them, you don't understand. If you could see your neighbors and your friends the way I do, I think he would tell the church, open your eyes. Why? Because we often can't see. We often are turning our head. We often are turning away at what's really going on. And a lot of us have a condition like, like I have now, where we need glasses. Now, I don't know about you, but I, I've had great eyesight until I turned 50 years old. And when I turned 50, before I turned 50 years old, like I could see, you know, the, the, a pimple on a mosquito, okay? Like I had a great, great eyesight. But I didn't realize that my eyesight had changed until one day I'm trying to, I'm trying to read something. I didn't see I was doing it. I'm pulling back. I'm doing like this. And Stacy goes, having a little trouble? Why don't you try these? And she kind of hands me her little cheap glasses from CVS. Some of you girls know what I'm talking about, those little ones in the rack she buy for like three bucks. She's got like 20 of them. She goes, put these on. I'm like, I don't want to put those on. She goes, put them on. I'm like, all right, I'll put those on. So I put them on and it was like, shazam. You know, I was like, three, I could just, it was like high definition world. All of a sudden I'm like, bam, wow. I could see every, I can see clearly now. The rain is, like, it was amazing as soon as I put these eyeglasses on. And then shortly thereafter, you know, I, I decided I better go and get some glasses. And so I, I make an appointment to see an eye doctor. By the way, what an experience. Some of you with glasses, you know what I'm talking about. Like you walk in and, 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 and they put this dye in your eye. You're like, what the heck? And I remember when like you're, they're right up close to you and they, and they got your eye like way open and it goes poof. I'm like, what? You know, like, what are you doing? Like, oh, it's a glycoma test. I'm like, 
Let me know. Like, I didn't know you were going to shoot that into my eye, air whatever my eye. And, and then this guy I don't even know is like right here looking into my I'm like, Are you, do you, can you see into my soul? It was so, so awkward. But what was super interesting and what you know, if you wear glasses, you, you know this to be true, that when they kind of diagnose you, I, I was what they call farsighted. In other words, what I was good at was my label and what I was bad at, they didn't. Like, I, my problem is up close. So I need, I can't see up close as good. I can see far away, easy. But they labeled me with my strength, not with my weakness. They, I'm on a quest to change that. Like, that's, that's just jacked up. But when I left, knowing now that I'm, for the most part, I'm farsighted, which means I struggle to see things up close, I, feel, I felt like I had a moment. Like, the moment was, in essence, Derek, this isn't just a physical condition. This is a spiritual condition. Sometimes you're out there and you don't, you might be all about all these things out here, but you don't even see the people that are right under you, the Samaritan woman right here, the, the people that are coming from town close to you in your sphere of influence. We're missing those things. We, we simply cannot see. And so what happens a lot of times is when, when everything I see is blurry, I don't feel responsible for it. And so we need to, we need glasses. We need kind of like, I used to call them God glasses. The, we need to be able to see through God's eyes. We need to be able to see through an eternal perspective. And, and, and this happens so common because if, because if you can see, everything begins to change. Everything begins to change when you see differently. Connect. Listen, we got to stop turning away. We got to stop closing our eyes. We need to get our glasses on so that we can see and we need to open up our eyes. Now, here's what I mean by that more practically. Church, we don't exist for church people. We exist for all people. We're not here just to suck air, abuse grace, and take up space here and enjoy the air conditioning or be comfortable at home and just cozy. Like, it's not just about you and me. It's about people who don't know the Lord, people who are disconnected. Our vision, Connect's vision is to connect the disconnected to God and to their purpose in God. And so if you could see the world the way Jesus sees the world, what would you see? If you could put on his glasses, what would you see? So I wrote these things down. Write this down if you're taking notes. We need to see that we've lost our focus. We need to see that we've lost our focus. Things have become a little blurry for us. Heaven has to become bigger so the earth and all its problems and all of its distractions can become smaller. Number two, we also need to see that we have a lost focus. So we've not only lost, we're out of focus, we've lost our focus, but we need to have a lost person focus, if you're, if you're tracking with me. In other words, God is not looking for that which is found He's preoccupied in looking for that which is lost. And he wants us to do the same thing. And so if we have a core value of eternity, an eternal mindset, it should change your heart because it's changed your perspective. You know, Luke chapter 15, I'm not going to read it uh, this morning to you, but it has three critical parables in it. It has the parable of the lost sheep, the parable of the lost coin, and the parable of the lost son, okay? And and basically, God is trying to tell us through his word, I am focused on 
preoccupied with, attention given to that which is lost. Jesus is actually distracted by that which is lost. And if you think about your own life, that makes sense. If you can recall times you've lost something that's important to you, your keys, your wallet, your phone. Where's my phone? Where's my phone? Like when you've lost your phone, you're not like, oh, there's my computer. <laughs> you don't, you're not, you're not thinking about that which you have found or have. You're thinking and preoccupied about that which is lost. An another thing I wrote in my notes is you don't do inventory of found things when you're looking for lost things. God is the same way, everybody. God's the same way. Jesus is, is totally preoccupied with eternity and taking as many people with them into eternity. You and I should be too. I say it like this so many times. When we make his agenda our agenda, he'll make our agenda his agenda. Now, I used to tell a story in our next steps. We used to call it C101. Now it's just called step one. Thank you, Jesus, for improvements of language. And the story I used to tell was when uh, our family would go on vacation. And this one particular time we went on vacation, and for those of you who don't know, I have four, four beautiful children, and I have three grandsons. By the time I had four children, and my second youngest daughter, Madison, was the super social sweet. She's still super sweet. Um, but she was just really sweet, and she was real talkative. She'd, she'd, she'd always talk to people. We'd go to a grocery store. She'd say, hi, what's your name? And she'd hold people's hands. We'd have to be like, no, no, it's a complete stranger. We had to teach her about stranger danger. And we'd go to a beach, and she'd go to somebody else's, you know, blanket and get into their picnic, you know, lunch. And so, like, Madison, you can't do that. So, but like most parents, when you go to the beach, you know what it's like when the tide goes out? It's like, what do we call that? built-in babysitting exactly and so it's like as long as they're in front of you and the water you know is way 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 out there like you could close your eyes a little bit like you close one eye close the other eye. and if you're like two parents you're like you on watch or you on watch and eventually somehow some way we both weren't paying attention to Madison and where she was and then I remember waking up. I remember kind of like opening my eyes looking around and I cannot find Madison and initially I'm kind of like where's Madison hey Madison and I'm like, where's Madison, Madison? And, and, and my concern progressed very quickly to utter panic. Because now, and I'm like, hey, uh, Devin, where's Madison? Where, where's Madison? I don't know. And I'm kind of getting angry with him. He's like, dad, what are you mad at me for? And, and I'm asking the other kids, like, where? And I'm like, kids, 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 we need to find Madison now. And I'm calling, like, their attention. I'm rallying the troops. I'm, I'm pulling everybody. We on a, we're on a search and rescue right now. We need to find Madison. And I'm starting to, like, get loud. And I'm starting to recruit people who I don't even barely know to my cause to find my daughter. And I'm getting more deliberate. I'm getting more intentional. I'm getting more. I am completely preoccupied with the fact that I can't find my daughter. And we're starting to spread out. And I remember going back up over kind of these sand dunes. And, and all of a sudden, I think I see her. And there's a picnic table. And there's an elderly couple. And I see this little girl sitting on the picnic table uh, talking to these kind of like grandparent-like figures. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I hope that I start to run. And I'm running. To, I'm like, Madison, Madison. And she looks at me. She goes, Daddy, I'm right here. <sighs> I can't even believe how relieving it was to find my daughter who was at one point seemingly lost. And I went over to her and I grabbed her. I'm like, Madison, are you okay? We thought we lost. Where, 
Where were you? Honey, you're so far away from me. You're so far away from mommy. I'm sorry, daddy. I'm sorry. I'm like, it's okay. And I'm like, looking in her ear. I'm like, if you ever do that again, so help me, God. You know, but, I'm, but mostly I'm just so happy to have found Madison. And see, a lot of times in those situations, anybody that would have come into that moment like their lack of inactivity would have been an irritation to me uh, because something of value to me had been lost. And, and, and anybody else's agenda would have seemed so petty and foolish. I think we do that. I think we do that with God. It's amazing that our agenda first is about our little petty needs and our little concerns and our little itty-bitty world. And, and I just want you to see what Jesus sees, that he is, he's trying to get you to open your eyes and pay attention first. Please join me in this search and rescue mission to find my kids who are MIA, who are missing in action. And, and if you'll help me find them, I'll help you with anything you need and everything you want. That's what God is trying to say uh, through this story. And, and, and the disciples come up and like, you know, do you want something to eat? Uh, did you already eat? Jesus must just have been like, guys, open your stinking eyes. And, 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 and when, I, when I lost Madison, I wasn't like, oh, well, you know, I still have 75% of my kids. Three out of four isn't bad. No, I didn't care about the other three kids. All I cared about was finding Madison. I became a different pastor that day. I became a different Christian that day. And I pray in Jesus' name, something like that can happen for you. With every head bowed and every eye closed, I'd like to pray for you right where you are. I think God, if he was here, the thing he would say to you who's a believer, I know, I know you have that blessed assurance, but would you help me find my kids that are missing? Would you, would you enroll in my agenda? Would you not turn your head away anymore? Would you help me on this mission to seeking to save that which is lost? And if you will, I will always be with you, even until the end of the earth. Would you close your eyes? Father, for every person within the sound of my voice, I pray that the words that I have spoken, Lord, would reach, would reach their heart. It can't, Lord, if they don't open their eyes. And I pray that you've raised their expectation, that you've changed their perspective. You open their eyes, and now I pray that you open their heart to let this word go down deep in them. Would you show them all the people that are far from God and would you help them, Lord, help them to see that, that we're on assignment here to reach all those people on behalf of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Now, maybe you're here today and you're there without a relationship with God. In other words, earth's problems are way bigger and heaven seems so small. I can change that with, with you with a decision. If you want to make a decision today, we can change that. Where heaven becomes more real to you, it actually becomes your, your final destination. You can have that confidence if you would but confess Jesus Christ as Lord. And so with every head bowed, close your eyes again. If that's you, I want you to pray this with me. Say, Jesus, today is the day of salvation for me. Today, I transfer trust for me what I've done to what you did, what you did for all humanity, what you did 
for me. I receive by grace through faith salvation. Now listen, if you pray that prayer, it's, it's like that simple. It's not, it's a simple prayer. It's not easy to live, but it's a simple prayer. But because you made that decision by the confession of your mouth and the belief in your heart, the Bible says in Romans 10, 9 and 10, you're saved. Your name is now written in the Lamb's book of life and heaven celebrates that decision. Now, if you made that decision, I want you to tell somebody in the chat, raise your hand right there in the chat. Say, I just made a decision to receive Jesus because we want to help you in your journey. This is a journey. It's not just like a one-stop shop. This is many steps along the way. We want to send you a book called What's Next to help you what with what's next in your spiritual journey. And we also want you to let us know by basically texting CC Saved to 97,000. I got saved. CC Saved to 97,000. Let us know that. And if you want somebody to pray for you, join somebody in a prayer chat room right now. They are well equipped and they are hungry to be able to pray for you and help you with whatever's going on in your life because he's concerned with your agenda. He just wants to make sure you've made his first. Amen. I hope that blesses you. I hope to see you again online or in one of our physical locations in the very near future. It's been an honor to speak with you today. God bless you on behalf of Connect Church.